Could y'all pray with me as the kids go out? Heavenly Father, I pray you'd be with us tonight. I pray you'd bless our time in the Word and with each other. I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you would speak your truth and give us ears to listen. Lord, I pray you would help you would help us to walk away transformed. Lord, I pray the same thing over our kiddos. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just wash their little ears and minds with your word and you would transform them, Lord. We thank you for who you are and we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. One quick announcement. We are going to Chick-fil-A after this. Uh, if it's your first time here, I think there's one or two new faces. Uh, we'd like to pay for your meal. So we're not going to embarrass you right now. If you come next week, we might embarrass you. But tonight, we just want to uh, offer up a Chick-fil-A meal. So I can see me or uh, my wife Tracy in the back. And we'd like to pay for a meal. Um, real quick before we dive in. Ross said, uh, what was the two requirements for the summer barbecue ministry? So, wait, which, oh, the other announcement. Yeah, the, yeah, the other one. Yeah. Uh, eating and having fun with Eating and, and fellowship, eating and hanging out. Well, just so as it happens, we're going to talk about a passage of scripture where people are eating and hanging out. So, um, but before we dive in, we've got one last announcement slash praise report. So, Wes? God is good. We've had a lot of chances to, to pray and see God answer those prayers pretty quickly. Right? Sometimes we have to pray and it takes a while. But it's, it's neat to see God answer prayers so quickly. Well, we're going to be in John chapter 15. So if you have an ink and paper Bible, turn there. If you're still using the digital one, you can navigate there if you want to. <laughs> we're going to set the scene for tonight. <laughs> This is, a, this is the Last Supper, right? It's a, a pretty iconic image, right? If you've seen the painting or you've probably read this passage before. But I think what I always get lost on is that the Last Supper is really a, a night of, of trouble. We're going to see that word a lot. And the trouble and, trouble and anxiety, right? We kind of think of the disciples and get together with Jesus and they, they have dinner. Right? But it, it's a very trouble-filled evening. And it starts out in a beautiful way. We flip back to, to John 13. Jesus washes everybody's feet. Right? Which you may think, okay, yeah, we've heard this before, Jesus washes feet. But Judas is still there. He hasn't left the building yet. So he starts out by washing everyone's feet. He washes Judas's feet. Right? Just reading that, that blew me away for a minute. If somebody was going to betray me, I would not be washing their feet. I would be thinking and plotting other things. All right, but this Jesus, he washes Judas' feet. So after he washes everyone's feet, what does he do? He, sent, he sends Judas away. The 
this is where the trouble starts, right? We have the trouble of betrayal. Just after this sweet scene where Jesus washes everyone's feet, right? Jesus drops a bombshell that one of the disciples is going to betray Jesus. This sends everyone to a frenzy. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? Right? And, and Jesus dismisses Judas, right? And John is kind of close to Jesus. He leans in his ear and said, who is it? And he says, it's the person I'm going to give this piece of bread to. He gives, it, he gives the bread to Judas and dismisses Judas. So now we've got this trouble of betrayal. Right? What, what would have been a tight-knit, close-knit dinner? Not, someone's going to betray Jesus? So we've got the trouble of betrayal. Then... Let's look at this word, trouble. Right, what comes to mind when you think of the word trouble? We don't use that word a lot and say, oh, I've got some troubled in mind, right? What comes to mind when you think of that? I think it translates pretty well. Right, this word is interesting, it, causing distress. It's the distress that forces someone to do something, right? Have you ever just been so so worked up, you just, you just have to do something. I gotta move, I gotta get out of here, I gotta do something. One other place in scripture, it's even used to describe a riot. Can you imagine like having a riot going on inside, right? Just torn up about it. Right, and Jesus is troubled after he tells Judas to leave. Right, and this, his trouble is gonna escalate throughout this evening. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, it says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood flowing down to the ground. Right, so this is an evening of great anxiety and trouble for Jesus. Think about that. The God-man experienced such strong emotions. I take, I take comfort in that, that he, he, knows, he knows what those emotions are like, and he's been through it. We also have the, the betrayal of Peter. Jesus then has the unfortunate duty to say, hey, Peter, you're going to deny that you know me. Right? Before, the, before the, the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny that you know me. So there's, there's lots of trouble, lots of betrayal. Not to add to their trouble, there's a departure. Jesus reminds his disciples that he will be leaving them soon. He encourages them to love one another as Jesus had loved them. This love amongst God's people is characterized by acts of service. Maybe washing each other's feet. Maybe helping somebody pack up and move their house. Maybe bringing someone a meal. There's lots of examples in the room to go around. Jesus will also say later this night that the greatest love someone can have, this agape love, is laying down their life for another person. So this brings us to chapter 14, where Jesus starts, let not your hearts be troubled. What does Jesus prescribe for their troubles? Jesus then reminds the disciples that they do believe in God, and the Father has an eternal dwelling for them. Some of your Bibles will say a house, some will say a room. The idea is that God has prepared a place for them. The idea is that their mindset should be heavenly in the midst of troubles and all these different things. 
Does your mindset go to heaven in the midst of that trouble? If you're like me, most of the time when I experience trouble, turmoil, the blinders come on. And I focus on everything myself. But we need to have a heavenly mindset. So Jesus is going away. Thomas, the very practical Thomas, he says, we don't know what to do. What do we do? Where are you going? Jesus responds with the, the, the iconic phrase, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. From now, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus reminds his disciples that he is the way. I know this is going to sound a little corny. Does anybody remember, or maybe you still have in your closet, a What Would Jesus Do bracelet? Right? No, they're not fashionable anymore, but that principle should be, still is. Jesus says, I am the way. We should think to ourselves, what would God do in this situation? What's his perspective about this idea? What does, God's, what does God think about this? What would Jesus do? What would he think? What would he say? Jesus is calling his disciples to be like he was. Right? And that's a tall order. But by God's grace, the disciples would not be left alone. They would have help along the way. So the first thing for their troubles is keep a heavenly perspective. The second thing he reminds them of is the heavenly helper, Holy Spirit, is coming. Jesus would not be leaving his disciples by themselves. Some heavenly help will come. Right? Some simple things about the Holy Spirit. It says he would be with them forever. The Holy Spirit would dwell within the disciples. He would remind them of the truth. He would bring them peace in the midst of coming uncertainty. The Holy Spirit would remind the disciples of things that Jesus had said. It's within this night of uncertainty that we come to John 15. Right? We've had one betrayer already leave. Had Peter said, hey, Peter is going to betray me, but he's still there. Jesus is leaving sometime in the future. And now we get to John 15. So read along with me. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Abide in me. And I knew. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, 
and that your joy may be full. So as we read that and as you hear that, what stands out to you? Abide? Anything else? Joy? Obey? Yes. Love? Maybe one more? Can leave it to the, the heavier guy to bring up fruit and food, right? There's fruit. There's a lot going on in this passage, and I wouldn't dare try to cover this all in you know, our 20 minutes. What is the big picture in this passage? Right? I think we, we hit the nail on the head earlier. It's abide. Why is Jesus telling his disciples this? Right? It's at the very end. That the joy of Jesus may be in them, that it may be full. Right? In the midst of their uncertainty and their troubles, Jesus wants his disciples to have the joy of the Lord. Fully. It's counterintuitive, right? In the midst of betrayal, and departures, Jesus is saying, I have this prescription for you to have joy. This isn't a fake joy. I think we've seen fake joy around, right? Just denial of circumstances. Has anybody seen that picture online with a little dog sitting at the coffee table? And he's drinking his coffee. He says, this is fine, but the room around him is on fire. Right? It's not that kind of joy where we deny what's going on. Right? It's something deeper and better than that. How do we have this joy? How do we have this joy? Well, we, we said it earlier, abide. I think it's mentioned ten times. We're going to see abiding in God, his word, and his people. And abiding is going to lead to bearing fruit. Abiding leads to prayer, effective prayer. Abiding leads to loving God by keeping his commandments. Does anyone here have anything that might be troubling them? I thought about listing up the things that trouble me, but I didn't want to stir up that trouble in you, so everybody's got their own list, right? We don't need to dwell too much on that. Let's talk about this word abide. What does it mean? I don't think we use it a whole lot in our day and age, right? I haven't sent an email in the past year that said abide, right? <laughs> so what comes to mind when you think of abide? <coughs> Dwell? Yeah. Rest? Yeah. Linger. Linger. Yeah. Be close to. Be close to. The dude abides. That, that leads us to the topic of what you abide in is important, right? <laughs> We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Right? We all hit the nail on the head. Abide. It means remain, stay, reside, lodge, wait for, to keep on. And the idea is that it's an ongoing activity, day in, day out. 
keep on keeping on. Every day, all the time. It's a mindset. It's an action. It's a way of life. Are the things of God at the forefront of your mind? I know for me, I often let other things be at the forefront of my mind. Often the things that trouble me. Right? Reminds me of Peter when he's walking on water. He's looking at Jesus. He's walking. He turns, sees the storm and the waves, and he sinks. I tried to describe a bite. I came up with three words. This is where we'll spend the rest of our time. Three W's. Worth, word, and work. So we're going to spend some time on those three. So in the margins of your Bible next to John 15, write worth, work, worth, word, and work. You have an electronic one, maybe you can make a note. Right? Don't, don't write on your, your screen. worth, right? We only have so much time during our day. We only have so many dollars. We only have so many things we can do. Do you consider the things of God to be high worth? One of the greatest enemies of abiding in God is distraction, right? We should set the things of God high as greatest worth, and then we get distracted. We look over here and there. I don't have data to support this, but I think we're one of the distracted, most distracted people of all time. Maybe you agree or disagree. But for me, I know one of the biggest distractions in my life is my phone. Right? As I was typing out this section earlier, my phone went off. Right? And it was a text message from Dave. So it, it, was, it wasn't a bad distraction, it was, it was a good thing. Right? So often we let distractions turn aside. We say, we, we may start out a day with, Lord, I want to be about your kingdom. I want to set you the most important thing. And then we get distracted with all these different things going on. So I've, I've told this story before. Um, many of you know I travel a lot internationally for work, and when I got to go to South Korea for two weeks, my wife was seven months pregnant at the time. So, so we're, te- we're chatting every day, texting, phone call. First week is going great. Second week, my phone dies. So I'm all the way around the world. My wife is seven months pregnant. She's been in and out of the hospital for high blood pressure issues and just a very anxious, you could say troubled time, right? And my phone dies. I'm all the way around the world, right? I, all I can do is I am with my wife in the morning before I leave for work, right? It's like a flashback to high school, right? If, you, <laughs> if anybody remembers Instant Messenger, that's, that's what I had to do. It's the only choice I had, right? And I had a week where God just kind of forced me to say, I'm going to take your phone away for a while. I think, I think it distracts you. And I thank God for that. He was very gracious in doing that. I wish I had, hadn't been so distracted by it that he needed to take me all the way around the world and take my phone away. But God was gracious in doing that. 
And maybe some of you here tonight have something that's distracting you from setting God and his kingdom as the highest worth. Maybe you've got something that, that God needs to, to take away. Right. Another distraction I see for some is, is alcohol. Right? I see some people that oh, can't go a day without it. Right? For some people, it's food. I identify a little more with food. God is not calling us to be a distracted people, but a purposeful people. It starts with seeing him as the most worthy thing in our lives. If you want to know what you're abiding in, it's the, whatever you've set as the most important thing in your life. Right? So what do you spend your most of your time on, your money, your energy? That, that's where you're, where you're abiding. So... Think about where you're abiding and let's, let's compare it with scripture. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Someone asked Jesus a question. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. God is wanting everything, everything that you have. Abide. Abide. So I have to confess, I, I fall short of this standard. That doesn't mean I stop trying to strive to do it. Don't let the distractions and the doubts pull you away from striving to meet that. So a question for you. What distracts you throughout your day? What causes you to lose sight of God being of greatest worth? If you look at the lives of the disciples as they play out, these were not distracted men. They would each lay down their lives for God's kingdom. They said God is of ultimate worth. Right? So worth. What, what do you set as the thing of greatest worth in your life? Next, we're going to look at the word. If you see God as of, greatest, as of the greatest worth, you'll see his word as having great worth as well. As believers in Christ, we are to abide in God's word. Right? Do you spend time in God's word every day? Right? Maybe it's reading, maybe it's listening. Do you have passages memorized that just kind of maybe play in the back of your head? Somebody says something and it, it triggers scripture? Right? I wish I could say that happened to me all the time. Every now and then it does, but sometimes I look back and think, oh, I should have thought of that. Is your mind and your heart soaked in the word? A person and people who are abiding with the Lord will have great affection for God's word. What makes the Bible distinct from other texts? Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. 
and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom must give an account. Right? The word of God knows us. It judges us. Right? If we want to be better, if we want to seek the Lord, we have to start from a place of truth. And the Lord starts with the truth in us, right? That we once were sinners. We started out as sinners, and, it, and the Word judges us. But the Lord doesn't leave us there, right? For those who believe, the Word transforms us. You could say it's building us up. Matthew seven twenty four through 25. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain fell, floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. The word of God transforms us to endure through troubling times. Even in the midst of the troubling times, it, it transforms us. Psalm 119, 9 through 10, one of my favorite verses. How can a young man keep his way pure? by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You feel the desperation? This was written by somebody that was abiding. They had a deep love and abiding with God. Another area of transformation, purity. Again, we see a person seeing God as the greatest worth. They know, love, and obey God's word. This brings about purity and transformation in their life. The word is building us up. But for what? Second Timothy 2, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Right? So you're starting to see the dominoes fall. What you abide in, it's going to change who you are and what kind of work you're equipped for. If you're abiding in things that aren't of God, you're being trained up and equipped for not good works, for bad works, evil works. If you're abiding in, in, the, in the word of God, you're being built up and trained up for good works. The word of God equips us for work, every good work. As believers in Christ, we each have a gift. We need each other, right? There's no one-man bands, right? Has anybody ever listened to a one-man band? I don't think anybody starts the car and puts on the one-man band, right? Well, maybe Ramsey does. Right? But we're better, we're better together. We need each other. We work to care for and serve each other, right? Flashback to Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We work to make disciples together. We work to see people who are far from God come close to God. We want to see that transformation in other people's lives. We work to serve orphans and widows. We work to grow in purity and the knowledge of God. So do you have time on your calendar during the week? This is God's time. Right? 
just going to take that time and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Maybe it is an ongoing commitment, or maybe it's maybe some extra prayer time. You know what? There, there's people in the church family that, that need a meal. Right? Do you set aside time to serve the Lord? Right? If, if you're abiding in God and abiding in his word, you're naturally going to say, what would God have me do in my church? What would God have me do in my office? What would God have me do in my home? Right? <coughs> Ephesians five fifteen through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What will of the Lord is. Right? We want to be the best stewards of our time that we can be. Right, and as a church, we want to work together and to accomplish this. Jody already mentioned, right? We're, we're, we already have six people to fill slots for Awanas. Right, when Jody first said that, first thought, who are the six going to be? I don't know. But God is good. Once again, God is answering prayer and God is moving. If you aren't already, would you consider serving, helping out Awanas? Anybody in here go to the gym, lift weights? Yeah, we need to start a gym group here, I guess. I don't know. You'll have a chance to show off your muscles at freshman move-in, right? See how, who can lift the most mini-fridges up the most flights of stairs. Right? Last year was 27,000 steps. 27,000 steps. So if you're trying to get a step goal in, this is the place. Ooh. <laughs> don't, don't bring that one up. Right? There, there's work to do. Right? There's work to do in our, in our church family. Right? So God is working to serve our children through Awanas. Right? We're reaching out to college students through freshman move-in. Right? And as elders, we're thinking and praying through how do we serve the all the married families. How do we serve the singles? Right? In the past, we've done re-engage in other small groups. Right? We don't have a plan nailed down for the fall yet. Right? But that's in the works. We have a family that said, hey, we want to lead a small group. So we're praying and seeing how best to, to use them. But there's work to do. We all have a gift. So as we, as we start closing tonight, what were the three W's? As we're closing, I want to just read this passage again. If we can read it all together. John 15. Feel free to read along with me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Alright, as I said before, there's so much here to unpack. And we spent the whole evening basically on one word. Right? But just remember when these words were spoken. These were spoken by Jesus to his disciples in the midst of a troubling night. Jesus continued to watch over these disciples. Why? so that they would have joy, even in the midst of troubles. But I want to leave you a couple of verses in particular. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. We can do nothing we are not abiding in God. We're abiding in something else. We could each fill in the blank with the things we're tempted to abide in. If we're not abiding in God, we bear no fruit. Our prayers are ineffective and we're far from God. We do not bring him glory and we do not have the joy of the Lord. We do not experience the fullness of God's love within the fellowship of believers. This is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. If you feel maybe that's where you are, talk with somebody. Talk with somebody. Please talk with me or Dave or Jody. Ladies, talk to Tracy or Paige or Emily. Please, talk to someone. Let's skip down to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word and your work in our lives. I thank you for the great worth that you placed on us by sending your son to die in our place. I pray that we will, that we will each abide well. I pray that we will bear much fruit. I pray that we will each have effective and glorifying prayer life. I pray that we will love well. I pray that we will keep our Heavenly Father's commandments. I pray that we will have the full joy of the Lord even in the midst of trouble and anxiety. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I ask that you would watch over us as we, as we go 
Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name.